Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, how you doing? You good? You comfortable? Let's see if I can do something about that, hey? No, I'm joking. Why don't you turn to the person behind you and say, why aren't you looking at me? Okay. Everyone turn. Everyone turn. Nice. It was very uncomfortable, wasn't it? That's good. If you're new with us, my name's Joel. I'm one of our pastors here at Celebration Church. Um, Today is a two-sermon Sunday. You're going to get two mini messages, and then we have some worship. I'm believing for God to do something special and unique in. So, get out a notepad or a pen or an arm that you can scratch something into for some notes. I've got two different thoughts I want to bring us around this morning. Um, China, you can, I don't know, you're not China. Where's China? Oh, China, it's later. Don't worry, Cynthia, you're fine. No, no, you stay. Or go, I don't know. No, after I pray, you can go. We're going to look at our screen uh, and look at a scripture. I've got two, uh, two messages I want to share us. The first one is what I prepared and the, I'm sorry, the second one is what I prepared and the first one was a question that someone asked me this week. I was at a pastor's conference and it was a good question and last week we shared around asking questions. Um, So I want to answer the question that I was asked this week and I think it'll be helpful for us. But firstly, let's get into this. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, for we, everyone say we, are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This word uh, workmanship here um, is a word that we get the word poem from, uh, that it is a poet writing a poem. It is also, there's some fabric references in here. It is, it is God creating us intricately, intentionally. It is in the same way that a poet is choosing every single word is the, is the care that God takes in making you his work. And therefore, uh, the work that he has called for you to outwork in your life is just as intricate, is just as intentional, is just a path that you are supposed to walk on, just a voice that you're supposed to follow, instructions that you're supposed to work out. God is not interested in you being just like the person next to you, not just like a uh, watered version down of your parents. Has anyone ever heard the phrase, if I could be half the man that my father was? No father wants their child to be half of a man. Um, but God actually wants you to be unique. God, God has uh, the mind of Christ for, for you to be prompted and become who you're called to be in God. So this scripture gives us um, an important truth that this master craftsman that is God the creator, his project, his masterpiece is you and I. More than just the flowers that he takes care of, more than just the animals that he looks after, his masterpiece is you and I. Charles Spurgeon uh, says this, um, speaking of this scripture, he takes us poor smudges of paint and he makes the blessed pictures of his grace out of us. It is neither the brush nor the paint he uses, but it is the skill of his own hand which does it all. This scripture is an awesome reminder for you and I 
that we are not the main lead in our stories, that we are not the main person, that it is the master's hand, it is his skill, it is his intention, it is his plan that doesn't only make us unique but makes us successful according to his purpose, that makes us in line and it's our job as the paint to be used. It is our job as the poem to be heard. It is our job as the art to be seen, that we just have to allow the master to do his work. Let me pray for us this morning. Is that okay? Jesus, I thank you for your word. I ask you would speak to us this morning, and I ask that we would walk out of this place with a fresh revelation of the uniqueness that you've called us to be, that we would understand that we are a masterpiece, not because of us, not because of the paint or the brush, but because you are the master. We don't demean what you are doing in our life. We don't have false humility about the great things that you are doing. We acknowledge what you're doing and your hand in our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Henry, say his last name together, one, two, three. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Born in 1797, great year, loved it. Um, amazing. Where's Truman? Is Truman here somewhere? Truman has a, a bag of energy drinks to get him through the service, and I heard some of them were made in 1797, a fine vintage mother energy drink. Uh, Henry was born in Germany. He was orphaned twice, uh, not because uh, his parents died, but because they kind of gave him away. Uh, and at the age of 15, he joined the German army and then he left after a 10-year stint in the army and then he started making something that you may know about. Uh, he founded the company of Steinway and Sons Pianos. This is a Model D Steinway Piano. This thing is three meters deep. It is referred to as the Rolls-Royce of pianos, and we'll get to Rolls Royces in a moment. You calm down. This piano, he made his first one in his kitchen in his house. Actually, his very first piano was made uh, for his wife for a gift, but his first grand piano he made in the kitchen of his house. Who would love the room to fit a grand piano in your kitchen? He was doing okay. Uh, they're referred to as the Rolls-Royce of pianos, not because they're simply expensive, but because the things that go into a Steinway Model D grand piano are astonishing. Uh, the base price, the one that you're looking at right now, this finish is 300,000 Australian dollars. Let me re-emphasize, this is the base model of a grand piano, a full-size grand piano. It is made with specific wood that comes from a specific island and a specific side on that island because it needs a certain amount of shade, because the rings need to be a certain density and, and the degree of the timber needs to be not off 10 degrees off vertical because of the, the sound that they want of this timber. And then there's another specific timber. Everything about these pianos is so intentional. There are two people that can even set the weight of each individual key. And I watched this video of this lady using these little blocks and getting the perfect weight before they drill in these things. It is all so intentional. The hammers are made out of something specific. There's little needles inserted in them to increase weight and to change things. These things are masterpieces. It is not your nan's organ. I don't know if your nan had an organ. Mine did. We got it in our house when I was growing up. How good is an organ when you're a 12-year-old? That'll make you not the weird kid at school. I have an organ. I play the organ. Sorry if you're into the organ. Um, 
But this thing is a masterpiece, baby. It is no doubt, it is an amazing thing. Let's look up to our screen uh, and get this truth. Uh, the question that I was asked this week is, how do you be you? And if you've ever asked me this question, you probably meant it in a mean way. This person asking the question didn't. Uh, his name is PJ. He's the youth pastor of Pastor Lionel, who's going to be sharing next Sunday, which is going to be awesome. Um, but he asked me this question. He's been a youth pastor for nine years. And he asked me this question over lunch that we're having together because he is um, still working out ways um, to be himself in an environment that demands that you would be something that you're not. And ministry or pastoring is, is just that. You're supposed to be a certain thing, talk a certain way, not make those jokes that way, Joel, be less funny, more serious. Um, and they try and make you into something. And I try to help him on my discovery and because of the mentorship that I've had from Pastor Benoya to help him find and uh, maybe to share how I've learned how to find my voice. And this morning, out of this truth in Ephesians 2, I would love to encourage us and help us with this, this why, which is that you are uniquely made but who are you trying to be? You are uniquely made, but are you uniquely minded? Are you spending your whole time trying to fit in at the right points, do the right things? And it doesn't matter what your age is, we are all still, for some reason, boxed in so much by peer pressure. It's not just the 14-year-old getting handed a vape for the first time, it's the 50-year-old in their workplace uh, being uh, compromising to the culture rather than being renewed in your mind and setting a different standard and culture. You are uniquely made, church. There is something that you are supposed to do and be and carry yourself. You are not supposed to just be an echo of someone else in the body. You are supposed to be an echo of God. You're supposed to discover the masterpiece that He has called you to be and to lean into the master. So I want to give you three simple hows this morning of three things that I do to be uniquely me. And they are still, kill, no, 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 they're not. Uh, still, study, and smash. There's three verses for you there. By steal, I don't mean take something that isn't yours. I mean, when I enter conversations, I am being a thoughtful thief. I'm not stealing your content, but I'm asking questions. I am not waiting for my turn to speak. I am trying to learn you. I'm trying to listen to you. I'm trying to get your testimony. I'm trying to hear what God has done in your life. I am not waiting for my turn. If anything, I don't want a turn. I just want to ask you questions, and I want to have fun along the way. If you want to be uniquely you, I encourage you to take a moment and learn from the rest of the body. Because what happens, even if you have opposition defiance disorder, which is a pushback against authority, is when you hear something, you can get concreted in what you believe or you get an opportunity to shift and change the foundation. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were a church that was just brilliant at stealing from each other? And again, not you left your phone on the seat, but I acknowledge that Jono has something in God that I desperately want. I can see Jesus' fingerprints on the masterpiece that is Jono. Therefore, I won't try and diminish it, I won't try and copy it, but I will celebrate it very aggressively, very loudly, and I won't do it by my words, I'll do it by my ears. I won't just do it by celebrating, I'll do it by honouring, by listening, by leaning in. So the first thing I think I do is I steal. The second thing is I study. I will watch. I love watching. Not people in shops, but does everyone watch people in shops? Quick, police, get them, get them. I don't know, there's no police here. Um, 
But, but I try and look at the gifts that God has given me. If He's called me to be something, then to lean into mentorship. I think you should have one mentor, but I think you should learn from a lot of people. The reason why I think you should have one mentor is because when you were growing up, when mom said no, you went to dad. So if you have 15 mentors, you will find the person that will let you stay the same. So you want a mentor that's going to push you forward, that's going to speak in all these different areas, but you need other people that you will study and learn from. Some of your mentors have been dead for 300 years, and you need to read their books. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the last, I don't know, 30 years of, of YouTube and the internet is not all of the knowledge we have access to. Shock, surprise. That's why there's still libraries. There are things in libraries that you can't find out from some... 14-year-old TikToker, like there actually is, and to actually study and lean into what your craft is, the masterpiece that you're supposed to be outworking in your life, to actually lean in and study. And you won't just find, it is extremely unlikely that you will find all of those mentors at 8 Bellevue Street South now. It is statistically very improbable. In the same way that I don't believe in soulmates, because there's a billion people. Your soulmate is the person that you choose to commit your life to. You fall in love with the concept of marriage. You find someone that, okay, I won't get into all of my beliefs about marriage, but because if one person has a soulmate, you take that one person's soulmate, then the whole thing goes out, and someone else has got your soulmate and their soulmate. It's just a big pyramid thing. Um, but there's people that you're supposed to learn and grow from, but you won't do it if you're not willing to study and change and transform. You will not become uniquely you because you're just getting boxed into who you were yesterday and the day before that and the day before that, you need to expand and grow. And the last thing is I love to do is I love to smash. I love to use whatever skill set I have now. If you have a gift of teaching, don't wait until uh, you're a lecturer at Alpha Crucis. Use it where you are. If you have the gift of evangelism, don't wait for a tent to be set up outside and the whole bunch of people to come in that tent. Use it where you are. If your gift is songwriting, do not wait for someone to come to you and be like, I heard your voice, we must make an album. No, use it where you are. Even if it looks clumsy, even if it is not perfect yet, just smash. Just smash it out. Just try your best. Have a go. You'll learn as you go along the journey. We're still so often crippled by, I'm going to be perfect one day and then I'll do it. You will not be perfect without practice. And you'll never be perfect. Practice makes, I don't know. I just want to see what you would say. I just want to see if there's another P word that you would say. Baby, let's go to this next slide. <laughs> Ephesians 2 in the message says this, It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. Could everyone say major role with some confidence? God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work He does. The good work He has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. Before we have our intermission, because we're going to apply this at the end of the message, so if you feel like, oh, he hasn't landed the plane yet, don't worry. I want to give you a, a warning and a promise. It's red, it's aggressive, it's here. Um, don't play the major role, but good works come from good people. When you discover that you are the workmanship of Jesus Christ, there is a confidence about you. Hopefully you realize, just like hopefully a Steinway piano realizes, they are one of a kind. They are created by Him and for Him. There is such a uniqueness and such a, a piano is nothing compared to you. 
the intricacy into how they build things and the three-year journey that takes place for most of these pianos is nothing compared to the things that God has placed and prepared ahead of you. The good works that you are not supposed to create or make or hustle or work out, but the good works that He has prepared for you to do as long as you align yourself with Him. At the end of the message today, we're going to apply this in a real way. But I want to encourage us this morning. You and I are workmanships of the greatest master, the greatest creator, the one that knows it all, that nothing that he has made you to be is um, unplanned and unthought of, that he has made you unique for a unique purpose. And instead of looking to the left or the right, if we look up, we don't try and choose a side or lean into this way or that way and look up and discover who we are in Jesus. Uh, if we don't, the world misses out on a masterpiece. But if we do, uh, maybe we will fulfill the very thing that God has asked us to be and to do. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.